Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Welcome back to another episode of the Thought Leadership Project. Hi, Tom. Hey, Jay. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. Good. Um, good. Yeah. So i looking forward to our conversation today and wanted to maybe start. What, what led me to think of this topic for us to talk about today um, was really a blog post you wrote last week for our blog. And I thought it was timely and informative and insightful. And so I, why don't you just talk about that post for just a moment, describe it, you know, sort of the, the big picture landscape that we're kind of going to be diving more deeply and more narrowly into through our conversation. So let's start there. Just kind of talk a little bit about what you wrote about. Sure. Well, if anyone remembered listening to episode 50, um, September 1st always marks a seminal moment on my calendar because it's my birthday September 1st. I turned 50 when we recorded episode 50. And around that time, we have Labor Day, which is like a end of summer, right of, of autumn almost. It sort of marks the unofficial start of the fourth quarter, um, sort of the unofficial start to fall. This year, it was sort of a very unofficial feeling back to school because the kids are still in the house. But all of that leads me to, as it did this year and every year, to kind of reflect on, you know, now that I've, we've sort of beyond the, the slowdown pace of, of the summer and we're looking forward to like digging into the rest of the year, there's a lot of, in some cases, there's a lot of anxiety because all of a sudden we wake up and we're in the fourth quarter of a year and we're like, wow, how did that happen? But it also starts to look ahead to 2021. So I just thought it was a good time for people who are just dusting off the cobwebs from their summer quasi vacations to, to get reengaged and start thinking about not only fourth quarter 2020, but also ahead to 2021, because we've spent most of the summer and the spring sort of reacting to events because we had to, we had no choice. And I think this fourth quarter in next year should be more about taking purposeful control over events as opposed to um, being victim to circumstances. So I know that's truer and more possible for some than others, but for attorneys and for legal marketing teams, I do think, um, and it sounds like maybe I struck a chord with you, that there are things that we need to reflect upon and, and think back to what have we learned, what have we adopted that might have some permanence to it, and what do we need to accept as, if not permanent, certainly an indefinite reality. And I think if you shape you know, the prism that way, then I think you're able to maybe get some clarity around how you're going to start planning your marketing activity for the fourth quarter and beyond. Yeah, that's, uh, I think that's a great way to lead in here, Tom, and, and would encourage everyone to check out that post and we'll, we'll link up to it in the show notes. But so let's, let's take that framework and dig into it. And what I thought might be interesting to discuss uh, since we're at this time period as we're leading into the getting close closer to the fourth quarter is thinking about from a thought leadership and content marketing standpoint um, what what sort of comes next after you know what we would have, would have termed the COVID-19 content onslaught that we experienced in the spring and early summer and obviously COVID-19 is by no means behind us uh, but the the I guess the uh, the focus on 
COVID, COVID-19 content topics, almost to the exclusion of all else, um, is certainly something that, that I've, I've noticed and I'm sure everyone else has. So the idea here is just to think about like, what, you know, what did we learn from that period of time? And what should we be thinking about in the future? Uh, like, what, how can we apply some of those lessons to, to allow us to be more effective with our thought leadership moving forward? Because I think there's a number of things that, uh, you know, we, we, can, we can look back and, and gain some insight from. Um, and so let's maybe start by talking about um, this issue that, um, of topic selection. Because I think you know, it's interesting with, with COVID-19, the, there was so much content being written and, and produced in video and audio content that topic selection was almost uh, an afterthought to an extent because things were happening so quickly. There was just this, um, just this multi, the, uh, there was a multitude of topics that are, were relevant and were, uh, you know, our audiences were interested in. And it was like, you know, you could just pretty much pick any, any topic and put COVID-19 in the headline and it was going to gain some attention. Um, but I, I don't think that's uh, any longer the case. I mean, we've certainly seen a dramatic slowdown in the volume of, say, executive orders being issued at the state level, federal legislation like the, the PPP loans and the, the CARES Act and these extensive packages that businesses needed to know about and they needed their attorneys to weigh in on. Um, and that's, you know, that's died down to a great degree. Um, so it, it's going to be, I think, a little bit more challenging for attorneys to, um, you know, to, to cr- produce as much content because they, have, they now have to grapple with an issue that they weren't having to grapple with, you know, four months ago, which is, well, what do I write about? Um, so that's, I think, um, you know, this, this break away from temporal topics, which will always be with us. There's always going to be new Supreme Court decisions, new um, legislation being passed, um, you know, whether it relates to COVID-19 or not. But there certainly isn't as much, quote unquote, breaking news as there as there was. So that that makes us return to more some of the fundamentals of thought leadership marketing, where we need to be able to derive uh, good topics from things like conversations with clients. Probably the best way of surfacing new topics are, you know, the questions that clients are asking, the the challenges that they state they're they're facing, um, the issues that they see as coming next for their business, and and you being able to react to those with with content creation is probably uh, the best way to think about that. Also, the issues that you're maybe not in conversations with clients, but the issues that keep coming up in the context of your work, meaning, you know, are there interesting research topics that you've come across? Are you spotting patterns where, you know, there's a application of, of the law in one area of the law that might have applicability to another and that you might, you know, so, sort of see those patterns, um, connect those dots and, and can write something about that as you're, you know, working on a, a brief or um, some research project uh, in the context of your work. Um, you know, are you, are you reading the, uh, the news, uh, identifying the trends within, say, an industry that you're focused on, not necessarily the legal issues, but the business issues, which, you know, general counsel have stated over and over is what they really want their attorneys to do, which is understand not just, you know, the, the legal issues impacting their business, but how those affect uh, the underlying business and how can someone be a trusted advisor who can, who can kind of bridge the gap between 
the law and their business objectives. So it really, I think it's, it's a time to be thinking about, you know, it's no longer wait for topics to fall into our laps, but rather we need to be thinking about them and going out and finding them. Um, so Tom, what, what do you think? You have any thoughts on that? Well, only I would just maybe add a couple to your list. Um, one is uh, when you went back to, you know, just going back to what you were describing, the conditions sort of on the ground, what you didn't specifically reference, but I suspect was baked into that conversation was that my sense of things is that the appetite for COVID content has diminished since, um, you know, uh, say May, June, July, you know, the heart of it. And, um you know, we were hearing reports from J.D. Super that anything with COVID-19 in it was just hot. And we sensed it too on our own analytics. But my general sense of things is that that's sort of abated to a point. But to why not go out and validate whether or not that's true? And so you mentioned conversations with or questions that you're getting from clients. I might also suggest doing a an informal straw poll of both clients and again, prospects. We've talked before about how you can use your thought leadership platforms as a mechanism to conduct outreach to maybe a prospect, a completely cold prospect, or maybe a warm prospect. It just get a sense for what, what's top of mind. What are they, what are the challenges? What are they struggling with? What are they reading? Um, so personalized. I wouldn't do necessarily a survey monkey or anything like that, which I guess you could do if you wanted to do it far reaching and be super sophisticated about it. But what I'm suggesting is more of just personal outreach. And then the other thing is, you know, being an active listener and an active purveyor of what's happening on LinkedIn, because these conversations are happening real time online, visible for you to see. And you can see where the, you know, what types of content are generating the likes, the, the, the shares, the comments. And so that's a good place to sort of take a, a temperature for, for what's hot out there. Yeah. And just to follow up on that last point, which is a, a great one, um, is this idea that we've talked about before, which is also, you know, before diving in and making a big commitment to writing a long article, um, use LinkedIn as a way to uh, test those, those ideas that you might be building out into longer form content, share a short, a short status update, share a news item, see if you're getting a positive reaction to that um, engagement in the form of, you know, lots of people viewing your content and, and commenting on it or sharing it. Uh, and that, that's a signal uh, amidst the noise online that, you know, you might be onto something that a broader audience might be interested in. Yeah, yeah, great point. And even you said short LinkedIn status update, but maybe even a long one, meaning three paragraphs. Um, so not the full article, but maybe more than just a sentence or two as well as so you mix it up. Yep. Um, all right. So the other, another thing that I think, Tom, that many lawyers are probably finding right now um, is that, you know, maybe work is picking up a bit more. And again, the steady stream of, of content topics that are sort of obvious to touch upon that need to be addressed is, is dwindling. Um, so, there's probably some lawyers out there who are struggling a bit to uh, maintain the pace of content creation that they were in the spring. Um, so I, I guess let's talk about that a little bit um, and maybe some ways to, to make sure that you're, you're making time for, for content creation. And I think it's, you know, I think that's a real issue probably for a lot of people right now, because not only are they maybe works picking up, but there there's the possibility of, uh, content fatigue. And there, this concept of content fatigue is often used to reference um, how, you know, general counsel, for example, got bombarded with, uh, you know, webinar invitations and, and articles on a bunch of different topics, and they were just tired of seeing so much on so many of the same topics. Um, but I think, you know, as, as content creators, 
we can become fatigued as well, keeping up the pace of, of, of creating that much content. Um, on the other hand, I do think that the more you do something, the quicker you become at it and, and the more content you're capable of putting out. But um, it's probably a real thing that some people are just like, I need, a, I need a breath, I need a breather. And I think that's perfectly fine. But I would just say that, you know, don't lose sight of the fact that, um, you know, if, if this activity, content creation, was, was so important um, to you, to your firm, to your clients during the, you know, the thick of the pandemic when everything was changing overnight, um, it's, it's, you know, it hasn't lost its relevance and importance um, now that we've, we've gotten into sort of a next phase of things. Um, and also keep in mind that if, you know, if you're feeling that way, many other lawyers are too. Um, so, you know, a lot of people were bemoaning the fact that it was almost impossible to stand out when so much content was being created. Well, here's your opportunity to stand out because perhaps there's just less being shared. Um, and those who can kind of, you know, dig in and be disciplined and exercise some willpower and continue to um, get themselves out there, they're going to have an opportunity, like I said, to stand out and to gain the attention of the audience that they're seeking. So it's, it's really balancing this, this thing that lawyers always have to balance, which is, you know, the urgency of the demands on you um, as an attorney uh, against the importance of some of these longer term initiatives are going to have not maybe an immediate impact, but a, an impact, a positive impact down the road. And if you can keep doubling down and finding that time, we've talked oftentimes um, about this importance of, for example, selling yourself an hour of your time each day to do something like creating content. If you can maintain that consistency, you're probably going to benefit as a result of that and, and getting out of the trap of just always dealing with the urgent and, and finding time to, to deal with the long-term important issues as well. And I think that's probably a reflection of why there is maybe less content being created because, you know, three, four months ago, that felt really urgent at the moment. And so people were, were finding the time, making the time to do that. So I think that's just one thing to keep in mind if, if you're finding yourself um, kind of slowing down your pace, you know, think about the, the opportunity that presents itself in this, in this market relative to, you know, the one that we, we recently went through. Yeah, and you made the distinction that a, a smart aleck friend of mine likes to always make, it's, which is the huge difference between finding time in making time. So if you wait to find time to do things, does it ever come? No. You need to make time. And if I may uh, quote a book, I'm not going to quote it. I'm going to maybe plug it. And that's The Productivity Pivot, written by one Jay Harrington, who uh, maybe is too humble to bring up his own book, but you wrote, literally wrote the book on making time. Um, so I would recommend that to anyone who feels like they're struggling with finding time uh, to get into the uh, habitual purposefulness of making time. And you can learn more at productivitypivot.com. Having said that, I think, you know, this finding time or making time um, comes down to what do you do with the time, which is, again, some, a struggle. Even if you're able to sell yourself an hour, sometimes attorneys get stuck. They get, you know, sort of uh, calendar block, you know, writer's block, but before you even get to writing, which is the planning. And going back to what we just talked about relative to topic selection, I think now is the time, and there is no better time than to find the requisite block in your calendar where you can sit down and plan the next 12 topics. And that could, for some people, that could be 12 weeks. For others, it could be, you know, a whole month or a whole year's worth of content. But map that out. After you've surveyed the, um, 
your network to find out what's important to people. Actually sit down and create. We do it all the time for clients, right? We create a content calendar because it's the only thing that's holding you accountable to actually getting things written out of your head onto pixels and paper and out into the market. So that's the first thing you can do. So if you're trying to you know, talk yourself into finding or making time, say I'm going to find a half hour. I'm going to make a half hour. It's this exact slot in my calendar on Tuesday and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to map out a content calendar because to your point, the content calendar no longer is filled with COVID-19 issues. There's other things now to explore. All right, so let's uh, let's move on to the next issue, Tom. And I think this is one that that everyone recognizes, uh, which is the you know COVID nineteen really forced law firms that many of them who have who had not been as thoughtful or uh, I guess forward thinking about some of these issues previously was how to reach audiences in this new you know in, in various new digital domains um, and and thinking more creatively about not just the type of content that they were creating in terms of subject matter and, and, and the actual content itself, but what formats were they delivering that content in? So it became abundantly clear that given the work from home mandates and sort of the new culture of, of working from home that, that has become commonplace that, you know, many of the old ways of delivering content, you know, the, the, public speaking or, um, you know, even you had to go beyond your, your, you know, your blog and your newsletter and reach people in, in different uh, manners. So I think, you know, thinking about, okay, you know, we saw tons of people starting to put on more webinars probably than they ever did before, um, developing new resource centers on their websites, um, a lot of clients starting podcasts. We helped uh, several clients launch podcasts during that that time period, and um, you know, video and other other ways of delivering that content. I guess there's probably a lot of of firms who are now either are or should be going back and assessing. Okay, now that we've had a chance to maybe take a breath, like what worked, what didn't. Um, what should we continue and sort of double down on? What maybe wasn't the right um, format? And, and even, you know, to the level of thinking about, you know, how are we structuring our articles? What were calls to actions we were using? There's all these tools of content marketing, these, these details that are extremely important that I think it's probably a great time to assess those now. And I think going back to a, another blog post you wrote, Tom, that was all about analytics. I think analytics will be a very useful tool for, for being able to assess these things. So, you know, things like, you know, what is, what, what kind of, um, what forms of your content are getting the most engagement? You know, do, do you have multiple podcasts uh, for your law firm or, or, or just one or, or none at all? Um, is, did video, uh, was that getting more views and engagement? Um, was it your articles that were driving tons of traffic to your website? Were people attending your webinars or was that sort of dying off over time? So there's lots of different ways to think about this, but I think, um, you know, I don't know, many firms may not be able to keep up the pace of all the different things they were doing and experimenting with, um, you know, during the heat of COVID-19. But, uh, but going back and looking and seeing what was working and maybe, again, it may, you may need to, out of necessity, just uh, narrow, narrow in on a few things that, that maybe were working and, and really go after those channels and those platforms that you built. Um, or, you know, you might decide that content 
content marketing thought leadership is more important than ever. So we need to continue to experiment and expand beyond what we were doing before and never lose focus of this. But I think a good place to look and, and start thinking about it, about these issues is your analytics. Um, so Tom, why don't I throw it over to you now and just maybe think about, you know, what do you, what are your thoughts about format and ways maybe firms should be assessing, um, you know, what, what happened, uh, what can they learn from it and, and maybe what should they do next about those issues? Yeah, well, and without, you know, going through the entire blog post again on analytics, I think just a couple highlights to point out. One is, you know, there's all sorts of metrics. And if you as an attorney don't have access to them, make sure that you're getting with your legal marketing team to, to access those um, because they're important. They're, they're drivers or they're measurements of trends. Um, sometimes it's meta trends. So you're understanding, you know, just at a high level, what has the most you know, traffic or clicks or likes, but there's also micro data in there too. And if you're not using that micro data to understand who is maybe opening an email or who is a very loyal clicker of the email on your content, um, you're missing an opportunity to, you know, convert those analytics actually into intelligence, which is, Hey, maybe I should be following up with Jim. He seems to be my biggest fan on mail uh, or on an email. So there's all sorts of those data points to look at. And too often, you know, the attorney, I think, only sits in the content creator chair when the attorney or somebody that he or she works with also needs to have an analytics cap that they don from time to time. And then the other important thing I pointed out, I think, is to also pay attention to qualitative metrics. So all of that digital, you know, all that number crunching is certainly valuable and hugely informative in terms of, as you suggested, you know, which topics should we steer more towards or lean more into, or which should we avoid, which formats. But we get a heck of a lot of qualitative feedback on, say, our podcast, which if you look at the hard data, you know, we make no secret about the fact that we are not Joe Rogan, right? We don't have millions of subscribers, but we don't need to, and neither do our clients. But what we do need to do is understand who's listening and who is responding. And sometimes those things are hard. You know, there's not a, a, a good tool other than, you know, listeners and, you know, the, how in depth, you know, did they listen to the entire episode, et cetera. But you may get a conversation, this is why conversations are so important, which is what I brought up earlier, this informal straw poll, is when, you, you know, there'll be plenty of times I'm talking to a client or just a, somebody I know, and we're having a conversation about who knows what, and at the end, it's like, hey, before I let you go, I got to tell you, you know, I really enjoy your podcast, and the episode you did on such and such was really good and actually inspired me to write something. That is the type of qualitative metrics that you have to pay attention to as well. And then as an attorney, I think it's important for you to report that into whoever's keeping track of the quantitative metrics, because that sometimes all of that reporting gets lost or it gets siloed. And the marketing team needs to know that what is the human feedback happening that may not actually get beyond that conversation I just mentioned. And then the attorney, again, like I said earlier, needs to be in front of the analytics to understand what all of the numbers and the metadata mean. So there's a lot of reporting. And if you you access and tap into what's available. Like I said, you can, you can weaponize this data and you can, you know, it's not enough just to know what the data is. And I referenced in my blog post, this idea of vanity metrics. It's okay if you get a lot of, you know, an ego boost out of the fact that you had high numbers, but like, if you don't do anything with the data, it's just numbers. So um, we'll link to that blog post as well. Maybe we should uh, link to my entire catalog. Jay, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's good. <laughs> we'll have a, uh, multi-page uh, show note links of uh, the Tom, Tom's, uh, you know, best hits of Then we'll have uh, to look decade. at, the, we'll have anal, unsubscribe analytics to look at then too. Yeah. <laughs> if we do that, so maybe not yeah. such a good idea. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. So 
Next issue, just I thought the issue of differentiation, I think, has really, you know, it's never, it's never not been in the forefront, but it's, I think it is uh, more so at the forefront today than, than ever. Um, and what I mean by that is, how do you, again, how do you stand out? How do you position yourself in the, the digital marketplace of ideas uh, in a manner that's meaningfully different than your competition? And, and again, that was a big challenge um, when it seemed like everyone had to write or felt like they, like they had to write about the same topics that everyone else was. So it was very easy to get um, lost in that. And, and even then, though, you know, we talked a lot about the importance of um, you know, might maybe dealing with a COVID-19 topic, um, but dealing with it not for everyone, but rather for one specific audience. So a particular industry vertical, for example. Um, and I remember Adrian Larson of JD Super talking about like putting, essentially putting the job title uh, of someone in the headline of a blog post. So, you know, um, how, you know, how COVID-19 is affecting, um, you know, uh, supply contracts in the automotive industry for CFOs or something like that. So um, that's the type of content that would that would stand out. Um, the more hyper-specific you could get, uh, the better. And so I think that has really, hopefully for many lawyers, um, that whole period of time was a lesson in the important importance of positioning and narrow focus and differentiation within your, your content marketing and not writing for every audience, but writing for one specific audience as a means to actually get noticed. So I think that, that that's an area, to me at least, that, that people want to be really thinking about, focusing on, and, and doubling down on moving forward. Um, Tom, do you agree? Oh, totally. And I think we even heard some of the other side, that, like the negative side of what you just suggested, which was... Um, our content is doesn't seem to be resonating, even though we're writing on the same topic as everyone else. For some reason, our content's not getting through, and it probably was exactly what you suggested: is, is people had content fatigue, specifically COVID nineteen content fatigue, and you know the specificity with which Adrian and then you just articulated, you know, with how narrowly you target content. I think that's what got people through in if Adrian listens to this podcast, he'll get a kick out of the stories. I, I submitted a, an article for, for JD Supra to, for, to publish. And um, he, I'll say he fixed the headline. The headline was, you know, X, Y, Z. He fixed it and said, lawyers, colon, X, Y, Z. And he was sort of practicing what he was preaching. And sure enough that, you know, that piece of content went, like, went right to the top of, of anything else I had submitted. So um, I agree. You need to be specific. I, I think what we found, as you suggested, and I, you know, I think it's both the good and the bad is the, the COVID-19 brought forth, you know, it took all the guesswork out of what is my content strategy going to be. But I think we found out quickly that if you're, it's a perfect illustration. If you're doing what everyone else is doing at the exact same time in the exact same way, then you're not going to get noticed. And thought leaders get noticed. They, you know, they stand apart from the pack. They rise, you know, above everyone else. And they're recognized as this individual that can, you know, stand on the front of the ship and look out and see things happening before anyone else. And I think that's what good thought leadership content does. And that's how you position yourself as, you know, the preeminent voice in a given arena. Yeah, I totally agree with that, Tom. Um, great points. Uh, so uh, let's wrap up. I mean, I think the I think the sum and substance of this is that at least in I think 
I think you share this opinion, so I'll speak on behalf of both of us, is that you know, content marketing, thought leadership marketing is um, certainly not less important than it was three or four months ago, even though maybe there was more of it being done by more people. And in fact, it, it's, you know, it just increasingly becomes important and it's, it's not, cha- that's not changing. I mean, one of my uh, sort of a thought leader that I really enjoy listening to his podcast and, and reading his articles, his name's Scott Galloway. He's a, he's a professor at the NYU um, Stern School of Business. And He's very provocative and very opinionated and, and very smart. Um, and he, he puts it this way that essentially you know, COVID-19 was not essentially a, uh, um, a, something that changed uh, all that much. What it really did was accelerated existing trends across industries. Mm. And I agree with that notion. Yeah. Um, and he also talks about the fact that you know, what that means is that uh, and what what anyone in in business and certainly in the legal industry included has to grapple with is the fact that you know what you thought the market was going to look like say five to ten years from now is where we're at today. That acceleration process took place, and so uh, you know we're not going back to old ways of doing things like marketing and business development because we were on a path towards that transformational change as it was. I mean, we've, we've cited research before from Gartner, which talks about the fact that, you know, increasingly clients are doing due diligence online when hiring professional services providers and getting, you know, two thirds of the way through the buying process without actually talking to the, um, the professional that they intend to hire. They're doing all of that vetting without ever touching base and inviting them into the conversation. And, and what that primarily means is they're searching online to find out what they can about this person's expertise. And ideally, you know, if you're someone under consideration, you've got a whole body of work in the form of your thought leadership that someone can use to evaluate you for uh, a potential engagement. And so just think about this in terms of, you know, we're not we're not we're not reversing we're not going to have a u-turn here all we're going to do is we've we've accelerated what was an existing trend in place and we it's probably just going to only further accelerate over time as we continue to you know rely more on digital networks we start to think less um we, we start to think that geographic boundaries are less important than they ever were before we don't just think about who's available to hire down the road or within, you know, the metropolitan area we might be located in, we, we look across the country and potentially around the world. Um, and the only way to be visible and to compete in that environment, it, one of the only ways, certainly, and one of the most effective ways is through um, thought leadership content. So, you know, this is not, you know, COVID-19, I don't think was, um, it wasn't a a change agent in the way many people think. It was just, it, it was not just, it was a accelerant of change and trends that were already in place. And it just makes it more important than ever that you um, recognize that and, and that we're not going back. And as a result of that, you need to really start thinking about um, what you're doing and how you're making yourself visible um, to in places where people are, are spending their time and attention looking for people like you. I totally agree. I think in March, our obsession was, you know, how quickly can we get back to normal? We even talked about two weeks. You know, at first it was, well, we're going to send the kids home from school for two weeks. That, in retrospect, looks almost laughable. And so here we are. How many months later? Is it six now? 
six months later. And I think going back to what we said at the beginning, if the turn of uh, September 1st now becomes the unofficial marker of, of, of Q4, let's look and let's maybe sit down and catalog what do we think has happened in the last six months that is going to remain permanent. So things like Zoom, probably permanent, right? We're not going to, uh, I don't know that we'll be flying people across country to take a two hour meeting in a conference room when we could do it literally in two hours. Um, and then write down what we think is going to be maybe not permanent, but certainly indefinite. So is there going to be a spring conference where you can get together in, uh, with colleagues or prospects or keynote a, an event? Probably not. So are we going to wait another six months for things to get back to normal? So we'll do our marketing then. I think what we need to do is, is, take an honest assessment of where we are today, what is not going to change for the foreseeable future and mark out a plan in, in relation to what is reality, not what we hope or what we wish or wouldn't it be nice, but what is going to happen. And I think if you're honest with yourself, you're going to see that there's a lot more permanence as you suggest Jay to a lot of these conditions um, or just what we're willing to adopt as, you know, you suggest change because um, I think everyone's more comfortable with zoom everyone's been more active on LinkedIn, you know, I don't see those things going back. So what does that mean for our marketing efforts? And I, you know, the conclusion we come to is that it's, it's content, it's thought leadership, it's varying up the formats, it's varying up the media. Um, but being an active, visible thought leader is what is going to get your firm and your practice and you yourself the attention it warrants. So um, take this time, sit down and, and sit down with a planner, um, call it a clarity moment, whatever you need to do, but use this time now and, and get ready for not only fourth quarter 2020, but all of 2021. Yep. That's a, I think that's a good way to wrap things up. I think that's really smart. Uh, I think we should all be doing that and it's, uh, it's, it's the time to, to be strategic and finish the year strong. So, um, so thanks, Tom. That was a, I think that was good. And, Thank you to our listeners. Uh, hope you enjoyed this episode and, and make sure to check out the show notes for uh, those resources that we mentioned and, and others that will drop in there. And please join us next week for another episode. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Thought Leadership Project. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, visit thethoughtleadershipproject.com.